Come on back together, everybody. <clears throat> we, were, we, we ended up uh, talking about um, how faith is spelled, right? And how is it spelled? R-I-S-K. And what does that mean? I'm going to ask Matthew to come up. Everybody, this is Matthew Bollinger, that you don't, if you don't know him. Come on, Matthew. Matthew's the associate pastor here. I'm just a bump on a log here. But Matthew, he's the associate pastor, and he was sharing with me something I thought was pretty profound about taking a risk and what does it mean. Okay. I'm a little scared to get the microphone because I could talk for two hours on this topic, but I'll make it in like three minutes. In the 1730s, God's Spirit fell in Massachusetts, as you know, in the, in the first great awakening in a man named Jonathan Edwards Church. How many people have heard of Jonathan Edwards, right? Okay. How many people grew up in a Methodist or a Presbyterian home? Had you heard of Jonathan Edwards? Yeah, every Methodist, Presbyterian, evangelical is big Jonathan Edwards fan. It's interesting because what happened here is, okay, Steve mentioned a few minutes ago about years ago a move of God Toronto and all these things where his wife was barking like a dog and so on and so forth and I was saying well at least though at least that community I mean not everyone but there was a general uh, uh, paradigm for things like God's spirit doing things like that in a sense right because at least they believed in the gifts and so on and so forth. You've got to understand, in Northampton, Massachusetts, there was no paradigm whatsoever for this to happen. And literally, people were being frozen by the Spirit of God at the, in this Congregationalist. We're talking about Puritans, okay? These Puritan churches, Congregationalists, people were being frozen for a solid week. Like, barely can they get a pulse. Like, dead people having coming out of these trances... I mean, one, there's all kinds of stories. I could go on and on, but one of my favorites is uh, Jonathan Edwards and his wife are hosting these very distinguished guests from out of town, and over dinner, his wife goes out in the spirit in her soup, you know, and it's, I mean, it's like frozen. I mean, just all kinds of things, and I'm sure Don Casperson could tell you many other stories later on, but, <laughs> but there's just on and on, just crazy things happening, and so obviously, this very distinguished Congregationalist pastor took a lot of heat for this. And so his, uh, his, he wrote, and here's one of the things that I kind of harp on in our doctrine and theology class in CSM, is all the um, evangelical seminaries use a lot of Jonathan Edwards' doctrine in their, their instruction for ministers and, and the such, and for church life, except for one, they conveniently left, and I've got it in my office, I can show it to you, they conveniently left out Jonathan Edwards' doctrine on revival. Did you know he wrote a doctrine on revival, meaning, what do you do, pastor, elder, church leaders, when God's Spirit starts doing crazy stuff? How do you handle that? And his answer was 1 John 4, 1 through 6, and basically it says... Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, 
and every spirit that does not confess, so on and so forth, combine that with the uh, parable of the tares and the wheats. He said, how are you going to test any spirit if you don't allow these things to operate? If you shut it all down, then the tares cannot grow up with the wheat. The wheat cannot grow up with the tares. How you handle it is, you test it and basically in a nutshell, see what the fruit of those manifestations are in a person's life. Those fruits that confess the Spirit of God will bear good fruit in people's lives. And obviously the negative will happen as well. But you let God sort those things out as they happen. If you shut it all down, none of it will happen, period. So is that what you wanted me to share? The point of what he just said, here, the negative is positive. Now, let me explain what I mean, because we could look at making a mistake as negative. That's not what the way God looks at us, okay? Yeah, Mary, go ahead. Mary just asked if does he have a reference on a book, and if you're interested in it, you can see Matthew afterwards, and, or he's running now to get one. Um, but do you hear that? So in, we were talking about making mistakes, and that's, that, that's the fear that cripples all of us, the fear of what if I'm wrong? And I don't know how to help you with that other than R-I-S-K. If you're not doing that, you will never be walking in faith. Now, I heard an analogy once, Bob, who's coming tonight, Bob and Bonnie, shared a story about, because faith to me is also trust, right? You're trusting the Lord. So I heard this analogy, you might have heard it before. Jesus is standing up at Niagara Falls, and he has this line going all the way across the falls to the other side. Anyone heard this before? And... um, he says to me, he puts a bucket on the line that's just grooved with the wheels, and he says to me, Steve, get in the bucket. That's called faith. Okay? That's risk. All right, I'll get in the bucket. And then he says, okay. And he says, I'm going to push you across. Stay in the bucket. That's called trust. Okay? So what we're talking about here is understanding, again, if our motto is 1 Corinthians 14, 3, that our goal with one another is to speak the truth, which is thy word, prophecy, the truth in love to one another. And a result of that we read in Ephesians 4, The body of Christ is built up. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up, he will draw all men. That if we're using 1 Corinthians 14.3, the goal there is we want to strengthen, we want to encourage, we want to comfort our brother and sister. We want to learn to be advocates, not prosecutors. Yay! (laughs) Enough prosecutors. We want to learn to be like Jesus, interceding for our brother and sister. Another um, word, gift, that makes up the gift of prophecy is 
The word of wisdom. Let's talk about that a little bit. The word of wisdom. So we got the gift of prophecy, the word of knowledge, and now the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom. The word of wisdom is a revelation into the plan, into the purpose of the will of God. It's a revelation into the plan, into the purpose of the will of God. A word of wisdom is an insight into what to do. A word of wisdom is an insight into what to do. It's a piece of strategy. It can clarify direction. It provides understanding, revealing strategies. It reveals what God wants to do in a church, in a person's life, or a situation. It reveals what God wants to do in a church, a person's life, or a situation. A great story that I like about the Word of Wisdom was Paul's experience concerning the shipwreck in Acts. We all know the story there. And um, I want to read the script. Let me read it before you put it up, okay, because I want to read it from, from my translation. So we, cause it's an act. You can write it down. It's in Acts 27, verse 21 through 26. But I want to read it to you. And this is, the Lord was just downloading on Paul, okay? Downloading on Paul. All different aspects of prophecy, and he was sharing with the guys there on the ship. But listen to this in verse 21. After the men had gone a long time without food, they were hungry. They were ready. Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice and not sail from Crete. In other words, he, he had already shared with them a word of knowledge about what was going to happen, and they didn't listen. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. He's saying, I told you so. God told me, and I told you. I told you so. But now... I urge you, to, here is the first Corinthians, see, he's, and I said this yesterday, last night, if you're going to take something away from somebody, make sure you have something from 1 Corinthians 14.3 to replace it with. Do you hear that? So now he's going to do 1 Corinthians 14.3. But now, I urge you to keep up your courage. Because not one of you will be lost. Boy, can you imagine the joy and the comfort in hearing those words? They, they were. Only the ship will be destroyed. There's that word of knowledge coming out. Last night, now this is high level. This is an example of high level revelation. Last night, an angel of God, whom I belong and whom I serve, stood before me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. 
You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nonetheless, we must... Now, this is the word of wisdom, because this is so contrary to what you would think a sailor wants to hear on his ship. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. I can relate to that a little bit. Can you imagine hearing all this encouragement coming and all of a sudden you hear, but the way all this is going to happen, you're going to have to lose your ship. What? What? Now, because this came at such a high level, an angel of God, they believed in angels. Because an angel of God spoke to Paul, they said, wow. We believe. I mean, we don't hear that. They believe, though. And as a result of them obeying the Word of God, they were all saved, except the ship. That was a word of wisdom. That's how wisdom came. That's an example of it. So how, how do we receive the word of wisdom? Well, Jerry who is on our prophetic teams, came up to me in the break and reminded me and said to me, he felt like the Lord wanting to impress on us the word inheritance. And boy, just in my heart, it went boom. What we're talking about here is our inheritance. What we're talking about here is the Holy Spirit God has given us as an inheritance, the gifts, the tools to walk on this earth and to see His kingdom go forth. It's our inheritance. Every one of us have been adopted. Every one of us have been adopted. Even though I'm a Jew, mother and father, I still got saved, just like you. I am not different. I've been adopted too. We've all been adopted. And what we were adopted into is a kingdom where our Father has written a will. You know what His will is? To give us everything pertaining to life, what goes on here on the earth, and godliness, what goes on in the Spirit. Read that Scripture. Pull it out. Chew on it. He's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Every, but what about everything? I love that word, everything. I love the word all. God uses it a lot. So how do we receive the word of wisdom? Same way we receive the word of knowledge. We ask for it. It's not... It's not complicated. It just isn't. The enemy, you know, wants to make it complicated for us to walk in the Spirit. And that's the battle. That's the battle. Scripture says in Romans 1, he's taken the simple to confound the wise. Let's face it, we're all dumbbells. Come on! 
None righteous. No, not one. All of us. We're dumbbells. None of us. We're all finite. None of us have the mind of God. None of us can think like God. None of us can do the things that we read about. But if we reckon ourselves dead unto sin, if we believe that we are a new creation, if we learn, as in Romans 6, that we've been baptized, something happened to us, and we can walk in what's called newness of life. What is that? That newness of life is that of that of a spiritual man or woman. I'm a supernatural man. You're a supernatural woman. How about that? That's the truth. Byron talks about we've been seated in heavenly places in Christ. What does that mean? You know, I've, I've learned over the years to not just hear a word and receive it, but begin to chew on it. And how does that apply to me? I said last night, do you realize that we are sitting in God's living room together? He's right here on his throne. We're before him. And, and he's beholding us and we're beholding him. That's the truth. That's the truth. What does that mean? You know, we take communion here. and uh, There's a scripture that, that we haven't talked about much when we take communion, but it says... Every time that you take this bread and blood, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. What does it mean to proclaim His death? That's the victory, isn't it? Isn't that the victory? He died for me that I might not have to go through what He went through. He died for me. He saved me. I mean, the simplicity of the Gospel. I'm getting off there. So how do we receive the word of wisdom? We ask for it. It can come through Scripture. The word of wisdom can come through His Word. The word is through Scripture. It can come through a vision. Remember Peter's vision in Acts where the sheet comes down and all of that thing about the meat and everything? Or how did the women who touched the hem of Jesus' garment know that she would be healed? was a revelation. It can come as a revelation. But it was wisdom. She, she knew the wisdom was, if you go up and touch Jesus' hem of his garment, you'll be healed. Knowing the Holy Spirit intimately is another way of receiving. And I love this scripture by, in Proverbs 24.3. By wisdom... A house is built, and through understanding, it is established. It is established. Words of wisdom build the house. I want to stop there just a second, go back to the word of knowledge a second, because I left out one thing very important about healing. And I shared last night, I used the scripture, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in your body, he will quicken your mortal flesh. There's a reason that the Lord wants us to understand that he lives inside us. And it's not a theory, it's, it's real. A lot of times, not a lot of times, sometimes in healing, 
the Lord might use your body to give you a word of knowledge. Now, let me explain that a little bit. When you begin to understand that your desire is to recognize the Holy Spirit and the Lord all the time, when I, I mean, all of us at different times in our life have aches and pains, right? (laughs) I'll tell you about all mine. Anyway, aches and pains. Okay, so I know the aches and pains that I have, and God wants me to know the aches and pains that I don't have. Now, let me tell you what I mean by that. So when I come into a meeting, or I'm coming in and, I do what I would call a body check. Now, I know this pain in my elbow's been there all day, and that's mine, you know, and I know this is mine. And the, but my knee's hurting a little bit, and that hasn't been bothering me. Lord, are you saying something? And I've seen people get powerfully healed by someone saying, Hey, I've got this pain in my knee. Does anyone have a problem with their right knee? You do? Anyone else? Wow, stand up right now. You see, I mean, I, I, I'm, let's do it, Lord. Come on, stand up. All right, let's just, just reach out to them right now. Lord, I believe that was a word of knowledge, Lord. You put your hands on this young lady back here. I believe, Lord, that was a word of knowledge from you, Lord, to heal that you want to give us an example of what it means, Father. So, Lord, we believe in your word. We believe in your word right now, Father, and we say to that knee, be healed in the name of Jesus. Go back to your proper place in Jesus' name. Saturate, Holy Spirit, right now. Saturate them right now, Holy Spirit. Do a little uh, shake-a-shake-a with your knee. Tell me if it feels any different. Any of you feel any little different or anything? Yours is popping? Lord, just complete it in their knees, in Jesus' name. Complete this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want you to know... I didn't, quote, get a word of knowledge. I didn't have a pain in my knee. But I just was, I'm just standing up here, and I'm going to use the word under the anointing, and I'm just sharing, and blah, blah, blah. And you see, that things happen this way. Things happen this way. That's what's exciting about, like I shared with you earlier, when Carol and his wife, that little baby, got out of the, the van, and I said, oh, there's a little baby, John the Beloved, and that was his name. See, God does things like that to remind us He's real. (laughs) I love it. Let me share with you, (laughs) that was a good example, wasn't it? But that wasn't an example of the word of wisdom, that was an example of the word of knowledge. And not a word of knowledge by a pain, because I didn't have a pain in my knee. That just came out. That's all right. Uh, Hey, listen, something else I've learned, I know you know this, Joanne. This person gets a prophetic word, and I hear it, and I want it. I want it too, Lord. You've got to understand, the Word of God is for all of us. But listen to this. This is something that that happened to me 
an example of the word of wisdom. It wasn't during a prophetic time or whatever. It was just, we were at a meeting and the Lord was putting this woman on my heart. And um, I went up to her and I said, you know, uh, I didn't even know the woman. And I just said, can I pray for you? And her husband was standing there and I I realized, I'll pray for both of you. Can I pray for you and just see what the Lord wants to do? Because I just felt, I didn't have, the way the Lord tends to use me, everyone is different. And that, I love that. But the way the Lord tends to use me, sometimes he'll give me a piece of something, and if I do R-I-S-K, he does the rest. I open my mouth. You heard Matthew talking about the people thing in Target. He didn't have the whole picture, but once he started stepping out onto that, things began to just come out of his mouth. Well, the same thing with me. I just felt a nudge from the Lord to pray for this couple. So I start praying, and all of a sudden, I begin to get this word of wisdom for them. I, I said, I feel like the Lord wants you to know that you are going to tremendously influence people that are not baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I said, that's just something to pray about. I don't know how that's going to fit. I didn't have an interpretation, and I didn't have an application. Again, I was just being obedient to the revelation. Well, didn't see him again. They bloop, disappeared. About, I wrote it down here because I want to get this right. About three or four months later, I'm at a meeting, and this woman walks up to me, and again, it's like, you look familiar, but I don't, you know. She says, you might not remember me, but four months ago, you prayed for me and my husband. This was at a conference now. You prayed for me and my husband about that we were going to have an effect on people not baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I, then I remembered. She says, well, we want, a week after you prayed for us, my husband and I got transferred. I think it was to Tennessee. Got transferred to Tennessee. And the only church that we could find was this little Baptist church. And we were so discouraged. And then we remembered the word that you gave us. And we have now started a home group there and people are getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, that's an example of a word of wisdom that they got. It was giving them about direction for their lives to the will of God. In other words, say, for instance, they never got that word and they get there. Can you? I mean, like, what's going on? Why am I here? But they had a word of wisdom why they're supposed to be there. So the word of wisdom can really affect people's lives. <clears throat> Next gift as a part of the gift of prophecy. The gift of discernment is in the word of prophecy. The gift of discernment. Now, what does the gift of discernment mean? That this is a, a, a word that a lot of times, um, you know, we relate to the demonic, okay? But let me just share with you. It means to separate or distinguish between. To separate or distinguish between. <clears throat> the supernatural ability to distinguish between different types of anointing or different types of spirits 
and is greatly used in deliverance and sometimes healing. Yes, no problem. You can always ask me to repeat. It means to separate or distinguish between the supernatural, that's important, the supernatural ability to distinguish between different types of anointing or different types of spirits and is greatly used in deliverance and sometimes in healing. What's its use? To discern demons or demonic oppression. Primary usage is to discern gifts and callings. Now, isn't that interesting? In other words, I feel like the Lord wants us not to focus on demons or demonic. You know, let Him do the, the battle belongs to the Lord. It's used to identify the anointing. <clears throat> you can distinguish between the real and the false. Discerning of spirits can work in conjunction with a word of knowledge concerning someone's healing. Now let me give you an example of that. And I love this story because so often, you know, we, you know, well, you're sick because you sinned. You're sick because, you know, well, this is a clear example of how the gift of discernment can work in the area of healing. And we talk about doing a body check and all of that stuff. But anyway, in Luke 13, 11 through 13, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit, that's important, a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. I think, to me, that is a prime example of understanding how the gift of discernment works. Here's a perfect example where you don't see him arguing with the Spirit. Come on! I mean... He understood, and he's our example of what it means to walk in authority. He just, that's it, man. You're done. Out of here. That's it. You're done. Out of here. But, Steve, you don't understand. I'm not Jesus. That's right. But you're a part of the body of Christ. And we're to do the same thing. Well, what if it doesn't get out of here? We went through this already. That's not the issue. The issue is obeying. Well, okay, I obeyed and it didn't get out of here. Well, I'll guarantee you the person still got blessed. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen her raise up and stand up. And maybe she will tomorrow. But I believe I obeyed God. You see, the Scripture tells us that we're to do the planning... Where to do the watering, the laying on of hands. I believe the water, the, the, the planning is receiving the Word of God. The watering is obeying, I believe. But it says God causes the growth. It's God's responsibility to do the rest. I'm to do my part. If I just do my part, 
Now, of course you want to see the person healed, right? So I've learned a long time ago, I hope this doesn't offend anyone, this name it and claim it. There's a part of that that's true, but then there's a part of that that's been taken to an extreme. Well, you prayed for that. You don't need to pray again. You just need to keep thanking Jesus for it. I don't believe that. That's not the way my, my kids, when they were sick, if they didn't feel good, they couldn't only come to me once and then go ahead, you're fine. They could come and get hugs from me anytime they wanted to until they were completely well. And what do I mean by that? I encourage people, you can go to Jesus and ask for prayer for a specific thing as many times as you want. He loves for us to come to Him. You know, help me in my unbelief, Lord. I'm having a hard time believing this. It still hurts. Lord, help me. He he wants to help us. He wants to bless us. See, by faith we're healed. You know, I've been around the gamut, you know. Honestly, I have. I mean, I'll, I'll just tell you one story. I mean, I know what I'm talking about. When we were young in the Lord, we walked and name it and claim it. And my one daughter fell off a two-story landing onto the floor and broke her arm. And we prayed for her and she was healed. And kept walking around telling me, Daddy, it still hurts. I said, that's all right, you're healed. And she kept crying. And three days later, I finally relented and took her to the doctor. And he had to break it again and reset it. The doctor was used by God. Can you, can you hear? So I've come to the conclusion, I believe in miracles, but I also believe in medicine. I'm getting off a little bit here, aren't I? But the point being is, you know, I'm walking down the street, someone gets hit by a car, and I'm out there praying for them, and they're laying there all broken up, and I'm praying for them, and Lord, heal them, straighten them up. If he doesn't straighten up, he better get in that ambulance and get to the hospital. Can you hear my heart there, what I'm trying to say? When I was 27, I almost died. They found a tumor on my leg, on my, on my femur. I was walking around like this, in pain. And they're praying for me and believing I'm going to get healed, and I believe in I'm going to get healed, and, uh, you know, and went to the doctor finally, and they did, did, a, did an x-ray, and well, you got a tumor on your hip. we got to do a biopsy. And I thought a biopsy was a little, you know, a two-hour operation, and uh, they opened me up, looked at it, and this was in 19, I don't know, around 76, and they opened me up and looked at it, and the doctor comes in and says, you love to hear this, wouldn't you? Man, I've never seen anything like that. We're going to have to send this to the uh, uh, Mayo Clinic, and we're going to have to send this to the U.S. Army Pathological Center and find out what's going on, and So for 30 days, I had to wait to find out what's going on. So after 30 days and getting prayer every Sunday, Lord, heal me, Lord, heal me. And I wasn't looking at doctors. I was looking at Dr. Jesus. Lord, heal me, heal me. And um, after 30 days, now this, you guys just got to hear me. I was not very spiritual, didn't handle it well. During those 30 days, I was flipping out and upset and scared. And, you know, I was 27 years old and just newly married and got two kids and 
here I might die and leave my wife of we'd only been married about five months. And, you know, it's like, what's going on here? And my wife's freaking out and I'm not handling it well. And I remember once I was eating a sandwich and so upset. And I threw the sandwich on the floor and I was all upset. She said, you got to go back to the doctor. And I started getting this pain in my head. And now I got a tumor in my head. And, you know, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. And I go to the doctor, back to the doctor during this 30-day time. And I sit down with him. And they took an x-ray of my head and found out I had nothing in it. That's truth. And he sits down with me. He sits down with me. He says, Steve. Now, he didn't. I was not confessing. I'm, a, I'm healed. And I, you know, I just was not there. You know. And, and he looks at me and he says, Steve. There's nothing wrong with your head. You don't have a tumor. You need to go see a doctor. And he was talking about a shrink. And right then, the Lord said, will you trust me? So I left there and, okay, I'll trust you. But I'm not getting healed. I'm just not getting healed. So finally, the, the information comes back. And it's a benign tumor. But they got to take it out because it's going to break my hip. It's going to keep growing. And so they said, okay, we're going to take it out, but you need to know you're going to be crippled the rest of your life. You're going to walk with a limp. We're going to have to put a, you know, a, what do they call plastic hip in and, and all of this. And you're going to be in a cast from your ankles to your waist. And, you know. So I remember going in for the surgery. They prayed for me. Came out of the surgery. And for a week, I didn't know what I was doing, but people would come in and I'd lift up the covers. Hey, look at my scar. I don't remember any of that. You know, people were laughing, you know. I was out of it. Three weeks later, I was walking around with no limp. The doctor, I wasn't, didn't put me in a cast. The doctor said to me, I don't know why we decided to do this, but once we opened you up, we did, it's called a bone graft. They scraped my pelvis and took out my tibia and crushed it up and put it in the hole. You know, hope that's not too gross. But anyway said I'd never be able, I'd walk with a limp, never be able to lift anything over 25 pounds, and that was 1976. Here I am. So what does that mean to me? I have a real burden for people that, quote, don't get healed. I have a real burden for people that, 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 that get prayed for and, oh, gee, you know, God didn't come through. No, 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 you don't understand. God, you can come through any way you want. Just come through. Isn't that the way? I don't know why I got in all of that. But anyway, here we go. Whew. All right. The gift of discernment. I want to give you an example. <clears throat> gift of discernment. I'm at, an, I'm at a conference with Bob. Bob and I. It was in Asheville. And... Uh, after the conference, people are coming up for prayer, and I'm standing there with Bob, and we're praying for people. <clears throat> and they're coming by, and, you know, I'm pretty much not saying anything. He, he's praying. He might say something. And this girl walks up in front of us, and all of a sudden, I feel in my body, my insides like churning. Now, I am not a female. I'm a male, really. And But all of a sudden, I heard the word female organs. So I said, I leaned over and I said, can we pray for your female organs? She was about, I guess, 22, 23, around that, you know. So, you know, Bob, 
Okay. So Bob and I reached over and we prayed for her. Come to find out, on the way home, she began to repent. She was, her and her husband had been trying to have a child for over a year, been trying to have a child. And on the way home, she was reminded of something she had gotten into before she knew the Lord. You can, abortion. And she began to ask God to forgive her for that. And she believes that night Steve and Bob got her pregnant. And we were known for years. Do you know what Steve and Bob did in Nashville? They got this girl pregnant. That's a gift of discernment. How it can affect someone's life. And, and they're a wonderful couple. They, they owned the best barbecue place in Asheville that you could go to for a while. And uh, they got, I think, three children now. But anyway, that, that was a great story. So we've talked about asking for it. So now we've asked for it. How do we receive? So how do we receive? We receive through an understanding of the Word and who our Father is. And I want to read that Scripture to us. Let me read. Let me do this one too, okay? Becca. I'll give you the Scripture. Luke eleven five. We know the Scripture here. We understand the Scripture. <clears throat> We've all heard it. It's a story. <clears throat> then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him in, at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. The most important thing, <clears throat> when you're going to minister to somebody or you're, you're around somebody and you, you want to share with them, you want to love on them, you need to know that you have nothing to give. You have nothing to give. It's Christ in you that has everything to give. It's very important that we understand that. We're talking about the first steps and how to receive. So I'm empty. That's the word there. I'm empty. I'm empty. I'm open. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get, get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him the bread because I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him the bread because he's a friend. Yet, because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. I have a simple thought process when I'm sitting down or someone says, would you pray for me or, or I'm praying. For, I have a simple thought process. When I ask the Lord to come, he will come. Simple. I believe God always wants to minister to us. Always. Not sometimes. Always. So when I sit down and I'm going to share with somebody, 
I believe the Lord will give us something when we ask. I sit down with that posture in my life. I say to you, and it will be given to you. Asking is the first step. Seek and you will find. Next, what does this mean? It's the interpretation. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and him who knocks, the door will be opened. I think it's so important to understand how much God wants to give to us, to give to one another. Boy, as Jerry said earlier, that's our inheritance. Our inheritance, you know, the pot of gold? That pot of gold? I mean, our inheritance is, is the kingdom. Our inheritance is everything pertaining to life and goodly, goodness. Our inheritance is walking in newness of life. Our inheritance is, is seeing God glorified in our families and our loved ones. That's our inheritance. And it's not up to me how it should be done. Do you hear that one? That's where we get stuck too. How it should be done. No, no, no. Just do it, Lord. Just do it. I want to be obedient. I want to obey. <clears throat> this scripture has nothing to do with bread feeding someone in the physical sense. And this, this goes to all of us. How many of us have friends, co-workers, or a family come to you asking for a word from God and you don't have anything to give them or don't know what to say? How many, how many has that happened to? All, I, every one of us. We're talking about people's lives who will only be changed by a word from God, not a concept or man's wisdom. They need a super encounter, supernatural encounter from God. That's what they need. I mean, that's just it. <clears throat> if you, you all know Philip, uh, Byron's son, in his ring, there's a scripture that he has inside his ring. Do you know the story there? <clears throat> One night, uh, and I'm sure, I'm sure I can say this, it's not. One night at an SOS in Cornelius, when Byron and Becky and I and Janice were doing that, uh, Philip and his girlfriend, quasi-fiancé, came to the meeting. And I didn't, I'd never met him, didn't know him at all. And <clears throat> didn't even really know they were engaged or anything. And um, I don't remember exactly how it happened, but I ended up praying for Philip. And I looked at him and I said, Philip, you need to know what God has put together, no man can put asunder. And there were things going on at that time where it didn't look like things were going to work out. Well, we can see the, re the fruit of that. They're expecting a baby. 
Sometimes in our lives, we are so hungry in need of a word. And we're, they're looking, people are looking all over. We have it in us. The Word of God, Jesus Himself lives within us, and He wants us to, to give that Word to one another. <clears throat> we have this happen all the time, don't we? Where people want a word or pray for me. or We have a friend who will give us all the bread we need. See, we're not talking about physical bread. Not only that, but He is the bread of heaven that has come down. We can just go to the Lord and knock, and here it is, and keep on knocking. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep knocking. Now, <clears throat> one of the things I've learned, and this afternoon we're going to take time and put into practice a lot of the things we've been learning, so get ready. So, as I said earlier, don't worry if you weren't able to get on the list to get some prophetic ministry because uh, we're going to have a good time this afternoon in here. But I tell people, Jesus said, watch and pray. Now, what that says to me, it's okay to pray with your eyes open. You know why I like to pray with my eyes open? I'm still learning to see what Jesus is seeing, and I'm still learning to see with my heart here. I mean, I can pretty much now, anytime I want, because of 38 years of knowing the Lord, close my eyes and, you know, Lord, I can see this, I can see... I'm learning now with my eyes open to see in the Spirit. So I like to pray with my eyes open when I'm praying for someone, and we talk about this in, 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 our, in our prophetic times, when you're sitting down and say someone's sitting in front of you and they're, they're asking for a word or they want a word, I say, sit down and look at that person and, and just inside begin to say, Lord, what's on your heart for Brian? What's on your heart for Brian? And I'm listening. Lord, what's on your... I'm hungering. I'm, I'm knocking. I'm, I'm, and then I'll grab that quick fleeting thought bleep, bleep, and, and share. That's prophecy in the simplest form. That's it, in the simplest form. Lord, I need a word for my friend. i got nothing to give them, and I'm supposed to help these people. What does the Scripture say? Yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. God has promised us whenever we encounter someone that has a need, if we ask and keep on asking, he will give us as much as we need. The key word is need, not want. <laughs> I'm sorry. But isn't that true? Where we get frustrated. But I want this. Now, I'll give you what you need, not what you want. I'll give you as much as you need, but not as much as you want. Wow. 
so often. And that's how we get tripped up. And we miss what God has given us that we need because we're looking at for what we want. Well, what if the devil gives me something? What if I'm praying and asking for a word for this person and the devil gives me something? Well, let me just give you my scripture on that. Luke 11, again, let me read it to you. 11 through 13. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It's that simple. When you're sitting down, and you're saying, Lord, this person has a need, and they've asked for prayer. Or they, and, Lord, give me, give me something. from. You're going to get something from the Lord. I believe that always when I sit down. The enemy isn't even there. In him there's light and no darkness. Now, you can open up the door to the enemy. Of course you can, but it's a choice. I choose to believe this word. I choose to believe when I sit down and pray for someone, I'm going to get something good. I'm going to get the Holy Spirit with His gifts to give that person to help them, to encourage them, to comfort them, to strengthen them. How many of us believe the Bible? But how many of us have done this and have not gotten a word? We have a conflict here. Because Jesus says we will receive. Yet a lot of us have walked away from situations and haven't received what we need. Is, is the scripture wrong? Or are we just so messed up we will have to wait till we get to heaven? No. Or is it we just don't clearly understand how God speaks? And that's the crux of the issue. We are learning and understanding that God speaks in strange ways. He doesn't speak the way we've been raised. He speaks in a wholly different way that we're learning how to hear. It's a process the way God reveals to us prophetically. And if we don't recognize and understand the different ways He speaks, we can miss it. It's a process. We're in a process. We're all at a different place in the process. But I want to encourage you. As I said, I came to God with a big mouth. I've seen little ones open their mouths and share what God is saying. It's a process. If we don't know how to process the word God speaks to us and have interpretation application, we don't understand what he's saying. So what do I mean by that? What I mean is you receive the revelation, and of course I'm going to ask for interpretation. Of course I'm going to ask for application. But I'm more concerned about first receiving the revelation and not getting hung up if I don't get the interpretation or application, because most of the time I have found it resolves in the person that you're sharing with. It means something to them. 
might mean most of the time it probably will mean nothing to you. There's all kinds of way the Lord will speak to us through scriptures, through visions, through feelings, through phrases. And we need to learn how to grab those small, quick, fleeting thoughts.